إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا وسيئات أعمالنا من يهديه الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد So last time then we began discussing the topic of Iman. The topic of Iman. And we mentioned that Iman is belief of the heart, statements of the tongue, and actions of the limbs. All of those aspects are incorporated into the Iman. The people of innovation, they claimed that your actions are not from Iman. And that is false. The people of innovation also claimed that your Iman does not increase and decrease. And that the Iman of the people is all the same level. And all of that is false. Because there are three main principles from amongst the principles you could mention. Firstly, Ahlu Sunnah wal Jama'ah believe that Iman is statements and actions. That Iman is belief in the heart, statements of the tongue, actions of the limbs. Like we mentioned, Al-Imam Al-Bukhari, Rahimahullahu Ta'ala, he said that I met over a thousand scholars in the different lands, and all of them were agreed upon the fact that Iman is statements and actions, that it is belief in the heart, statements of the tongue, and actions of the limbs. So that is the belief of Ahl sunnah Second principle you could say, Ahl sunnah believe that Iman increases and decreases. It increases with obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it decreases with disobedience to Allah. When a person obeys the shaitan instead, then his iman decreases. And the third point you could mention, is that the iman of the people is at different levels. Some people will be at a higher level in iman, others will be at a lower level in iman. So the iman of the believers is mutafawit. It is at different levels. Those are three key principles you could mention regarding the topic of iman. The author says, Al-imanu qawlun bil-lisan wa'amalun bil-arkan وَعَقْدٌ بِالْجَنَانِ يَزِيدُ بِالطَّاعَةِ وَيَنْقُصُ بِالْعِسْيَانِ That Iman is statement of the tongue, and actions of the limbs, and belief of the heart. It increases with obedience, and decreases with sinning and disobedience. Allah said, وَمَا أُمِرُوا إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُوا اللَّهَ مُخْلِسِينَ لَهُ الدِّينَ حُنَفَاءَ وَيُقِيمُ الصَّلَاةَ وَيُؤْتُ الزَّكَاةَ وَذَلِكَ دِينُ الْقَيِّمَةِ That they were not commanded except to worship Allah sincerely 
upon Tawheed and to establish the prayer and to give the zakat. And that is the upright religion. فَجَعَلَ عِبَادَةَ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى وَإِخْلَاصَ الْقَلْبِ وَإِقَامَ الصَّلَاةِ وَإِيْتَاءَ الزَّكَاةِ كُلَّهُ مِنَ الدِّينِ So, the sincerity of worship to Allah and the establishment of the prayer and the giving of the zakat, all of that is religion to Allah. All of that is our religion to Allah. All of that is our worship and obedience to Allah. And the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Al-Imanu bid'un wa sab'un sha'bah. Iman is 70 odd levels. A'laha, the highest level of Iman is, Shahadatu an la ilaha illallah. The testimony that there is no deity worthy of worship in truth except Allah. وَأَدْنَاهَا إِمَاطَةُ الْأَذَى عَنِ الطَّرِيقِ And the lowest level of iman is to remove something harmful from the pathway so that the others who come and they walk by are not harmed by it. And that is a hadith in Al-Bukhari and Muslim. فَجَعَلَ الْقَوْلَ وَالْعَمَلَ مِنَ الْإِيمَانِ So in this hadith we see that statements and actions are from iman. Saying La ilaha illallah is a statement. Removing the harm from the road is a physical action. All of that is termed as being from Iman. Also in a hadith it mentions, قَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ يَخْرُجُ مِنَ النَّارِ مَنْ قَالْ لَا إِلَاهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ وَفِي قَلْبِهِ مِثْقَالُ بُرَّهِ أو خردلة أو ذرة من الإيمان رواه البخاري فجعله متفاضلا. In this narration it mentions how the people who say لا إله إلا الله they will exit from the hellfire despite having maybe only a seed's worth of iman or higher or lower indicating therefore that they have those differing levels of iman even if it be a small level of iman that they died upon Iman, they died upon Tawheed, then they will exit from the fire. A person of Tawheed will not remain in the fire forever. A person of Tawheed, a person of Iman, even if they are punished in the fire initially for sins they may have committed, then eventually they will exit and they will enter paradise. Then the author says, وَيَجِبُ الْإِيمَانُ بِكُلِّ مَا أَخْبَرَ بِهِ النَّبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ وَصَحَّ بِهِ النَّقْلُ عَنْهُ فِيمَا شَاهَدْنَا أَوْ غَابَ عَنَّا نَعْلَمُ أَنَّهُ حَقٌ وَصِدْقٌ That it is a must, it is obligatory upon us, it is binding upon us, to have iman in everything that Allah has informed us, or the messenger of Allah has informed us of. And that is something we know from our shahada. When we testify, Ashhadu anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluh, I testify that Muhammad is the servant of Allah and his messenger. That testification means four things like we've mentioned before. 
It means when you testify that you bear witness Muhammad is the messenger of Allah, it means four things are required of you. Firstly, ta'atuhu fima amara, that you will obey the messenger in what he commanded. And all of what the messenger commanded us to do, then you will obey those commandments. Secondly, ishtinabu manaha anhu azajara, to abstain and refrain and stay away from what the Prophet ﷺ prohibited us from. And thirdly, تَصْدِيقُهُ فِيمَا أَخْبَرَ That you will believe, have iman in all of what the Prophet ﷺ informed us of. You will have absolute iman in everything the Prophet ﷺ informed us of. Iman in the affairs that we see, in the affairs that we do not see. Iman in the affairs of the day of judgment, about the resurrection, about the grave, the accountability, paradise, hell. You will have iman in all of what the Prophet ﷺ has informed us of. And fourthly, Allah يَعْبَدُ اللَّهُ إِلَّا بِمَا شَرَعَ That you will not worship Allah except in the way that the Prophet ﷺ taught us. So here he says, Al-Iman bi-kulli ma akhbara bihi nabiyu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. To have Iman in everything that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam informed us of. Wa sahha bihi naqlu anhu. And everything which is authentically established and reported from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Fima From whatever we have witnessed or it is absent from us. We know that it is all haq wa sidq. All of it is reality and truth. وَسَوَاءٌ فِي ذَلِكَ مَا عَقَلْنَا وَجَهِلْنَا Whether it is things that we can understand or not, all those things about the grave and everything that happens in the grave, not something that we understand how it works, but we accept and we believe. That the grave of a believer will be made spacious so far as his eyesight can see. And the grave of a disbeliever will be squashed on him, his ribs will crack. We do not know these things, we do not see them, but we believe in them. And the day of judgment, how it will all happen, we don't know, we don't see that, but we believe in it that it will occur. So we have iman in all of the affairs, whether we comprehend them and understand them or not. وَلَمْ نَطَّلِعْ عَلَىٰ حَقِيقَةِ مَعْنَىٰ And we may not know the reality of the details behind that affair. We may not know the reality of the details behind certain affairs, but what has been mentioned in the Qur'an and the Sunnah, then we accept. مِثْلُ حَدِيثِ الْإِسْرَاءِ وَالْمِعْرَاجِ وَكَانَ يَقَضَةً لَا مَنَامًا فَإِنَّ قُرَيْشًا أَنْكَرَتْهُ وَأَكْبَرَتْهُ وَلَمْ تُنْكِرِ الْمَنَامَاتِ وَمِنْ ذَلِكَ أَنَّ مَلَكَ الْمَوْتِ لَمَّا جَاءَ نعم. So he mentions the story of Al-Isra' wal-Mi'raj. The story of Al-Isra' wal-Mi'raj. That on that night the Prophet wasallam was taken up to the heavens physically with his body. Not just a dream. It wasn't a dream that he went up in a dream. The Prophet wasallam himself physically, was taken up to the heavens, in his body, 
up to the heavens and everything and all of everything that happened and occurred. And then he was returned, all of that in one night. And when the Quraysh, they heard about that, when the Quraysh heard about that, they refused to believe and they refused to accept, considering that this is something too great. How could it be that the messenger physically went from Mecca to Jerusalem to the heavens and returned all in one night? How could that be? How could that occur? They would not comprehend and they would not accept this to occur in that manner. But when they went to Abu Bakr as-Siddiq, radiyallahu anhu, and they said to him, your companion, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he claims that he went in one night all the way to the heavens and he returned. Abu Bakr radiyallahu anhu said to them, and what is the issue with that? I believe in things even greater than that. Even things that are greater than that, I believe him. I believe him when he tells me that the revelation, it comes down from the heavens upon him. I believe in the revelation coming upon him. So as for him saying that he went up on the night of Al-Isra wal miraj and returning, then that is of course the truth, I believe it. And so he was known as As-Siddiq. As-Siddiq. The one who is upon that trustworthiness, truthfulness. وَلَمْ تُنَعْمْ وَمِنْ ذَلِكَ أَنَّ مَلَكَ الْمَوْتِ لَمَّا جَاءَ إِلَى مُوسَى عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامِ لِيَقْبِضَ رُوحَهُ لَطَمَهُ فَقَفَأَ عَيْنَهُ فَرَجَعَ إِلَى رَبِّهِ فَرَدَّ عَلَيْهِ عَيْنَهُ وَمِنْ نَعْمْ and also the story of when the angel of death came to Musa alayhi salam, and Musa alayhi salam struck, struck the angel of death, until the eye was removed. And then when the angel of death returned uh, to Allah, then Allah returned back the eye, the sight to it. And that was a story regarding Musa alayhi salam, when the angel of death came and he struck the angel of death, these stories are true and authentic, narrated to us in the Qur'an, in the Sunnah. Then we affirm and we believe in all of that with absolute yaqeen, certainty and iman. Also, وَمِن ذَلِكَ أَشْرَاطُ السَّاعَةِ مِثْلُ خُرُوجِ الدَّجَّالِ وَنُزُولِ عِيسَى بْنَ مَرْيَمِ فَيَقْتُلُهُ وَخُرُوجِ أَجُوجِ وَمَأْجُوجِ وَخُرُوجِ الدَّابَ وَطُلُوعِ شَمْسِ مِنْ مَغْرِبِهَا وَأَشْبَاهُ ذَلِكَ مِمَّا صَحَّ بِهِ النَّقْلِ وَعَذَابُ الْقَبْرِ وَنَعِيمُهُ حَقِّ وَقَدْ اسْتَعَاذَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ مِنْهُ وَأَمَرَ بِهِ فِي كُلِّ صَلَاةٍ وَفِتْنَةُ الْقَبْرِ حَقٌّ وَسُؤَالُ مُنْكِرٍ وَنَكِيرٍ حَقٌّ وَالْبَعْثُ بَعْدَ الْمَوْتِ حَقٌّ وَذَلِكَ حِينَ يَنْفُخُ إِسْرَافِيلُ عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامُ فِي الصُّورِ Here now, the author mentions a list of different things that we must have iman in. Iman, as we said, you have the six pillars of iman. Iman in Allah, iman in the angels, iman in the books, in the prophets, in the day of judgment, and in the decree. Iman in those six aspects. As for iman in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, 
Then we have Iman in three different aspects. With regards to the Rububiyyah of Allah, and the Uluhiyyah of Allah, and Al-Asma'u Wa-Sifat. What is Iman in the Rububiyyah of Allah? Meaning that we have Iman. He is Al-Khaliq, Al-Raziq, Al-Mudabbir, the Creator, the Sustainer, the Provider, the One who created us, gave us life, gave us death, controls the universe. He alone does that. No partners, no equals. So we affirm that and we believe in that. That is Iman in Allah. The Uluhiyah also, that we will single out all of our worship to Allah alone. We have Iman in that. Tawheed, and also the names and attributes that we believe Allah has the most perfect and the most beautiful of the names and attributes, absolute perfection without any deficiency. We have Iman in all of these affairs, Iman in all of these aspects. That is all part of our Iman in Allah. Then also we have the Iman in the angels of Allah. The angels that are a creation from the creations of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah created the angels from light. Allah created the angels from light. Just like He created the humans from clay. And just like He created the jinn from the fire. Allah created the angels from light. And they are a creation just like the other creations. The creation of the jinn, the creation of the humans, and the creation of the angels. There are certain angels whose names we know, like the angel Jibreel. Jibreel alayhi salam, whose responsibility is to deliver the revelation. Also Mikael, whose responsibility is to uh, the rainfall and the growth of the vegetation and the fruits, etc. And also Israfil, whose responsibility is to blow into the trumpet for the day of judgment to begin. And also that he is one of the carriers of the throne of Allah. Also that he is one of the carriers of the throne of Allah. Also, angels that we know, like the angel of death. What is the name of the angel of death? Malakul Maut. And some people, they think it is Israel. You hear some people saying Israel. Israel is not the name of the angel of death. The angel of death is Malakul Maut. We also know about Al-Munkar and Nakir. And they are the two angels that do what? The questioning of the grave, fitnatul qabr, that they question a person in his grave. They question him regarding the three affairs. Man rabbuka, wa ma dinuka, wa man nabiyuka. Who is your Lord? What is your religion? And who is your prophet? These questions every individual will be asked in his grave. Al-Munkar wa nakir they will come and sit every person up in his grave, and they will question him regarding it. That is why the scholars, they mention this point of 
the questioning of the grave in the books of Aqidah and in the poetry of Aqidah, in the poem of Ibn Abi Dawood, وَفِي عَذَابِ الْقَبَرِ وَقُلْ فِي عَذَابِ الْقَبَرِ حَقٌ مُوَضَّحُ And say the truth, speak the truth regarding the punishment of the grave, the trial of the grave, the barzakh and all of the affairs that occur. So that is also al-munkar al-nakir. We also know about Malik, for example, one of the angels, Malik, and he is the the gatekeeper of the hellfire. It's mentioned in the Quran how the disbelievers in the hellfire will say to Malik, who is the gatekeeper of hellfire, ask your Lord, لِيَقَضِ عَلَيْنَا رَبُّكَ that he finishes us off and kills us. Tell your Lord, ask your Lord to just kill us. But then he will say to them, إِنَّكُمْ مَاكِثُونَ You are going to stay here. You are staying here. You are not going to die. You are not going to perish. You are not going to be finished off. You are going to stay here and the punishment will continue. So there is Malik, the gatekeeper of hell. Also angels that we know of. It's mentioned about angels who carry the throne of Allah on the day of judgment. It's mentioned about the angel that comes and blows the soul into the newborns in the wombs of their mothers. Angels that come to these gatherings of knowledge. Angels that seek out these gatherings of knowledge and they attend. Angels are mentioned, various angels, multiple angels. How many angels are there? How many angels are there? We do not know. The numbers are so great, it is impossible for us to enumerate. Take an example about the hellfire on the day of judgment. It will have 70,000 reins, ropes. 70,000 ropes to drag the hellfire. On every rope there will be how many angels pulling it? 70,000. 70,000 ropes to pull the hellfire on that day. On every rope, 70,000 angels. How many is that? 70,000 ropes times 70,000 angels. 4.9 billion. 4.9 billion. That's just the angels dragging that. 4.9 billion just there. Then there is the narration. That's almost the population of the humans now. Five, six, six billion or something. Then also, Al-Baytul Ma'mur. The house in the heavens, which is like the Kaaba which we have now on this earth. There is the house in the heavens, Al-Baytul Ma'mur. The angels go and worship. They're like we have the Kaaba we worship here. It's mentioned in that place, which is directly above the Kaaba in this earth. 70,000 angels, they go into Al-Bayt Al-Ma'mur every day. 70,000 go in to worship every day. 
When that 70,000, that group of 70,000 finishes, they leave, and a new group of 70,000 enters. When that group of 70,000 finishes, a new group of 70,000 enters. When that group of 70,000 finishes, a new group of 70,000 enters. Once a group of 70,000 has been in there, they will never ever get a chance to come back around and go in again. Why? Because there are so many groups of 70,000 waiting every single day, they will never ever get a chance to get back in again. So imagine since Allah created it, every day 70,000 going in and the same 70,000 never been in again. Every day 70,000 new ones. Imagine you had that just in one year. 70,000 times 364, 65. 70,000 times 700 days, two years. 70,000 times 1,400, four years. That's just four years. 70,000 times 100 years of 356 days. Of 1,000 years. How many? You can't even count the numbers. Your calculators can't count the numbers. 70,000 every day. That's why Allah said in the Quran, the army of your Lord, you cannot count it. The angels of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we do not know. They are so vast in their numbers. Trillions, billions, trillions numbers we don't even know. It mentions in other narrations in the heavens, there isn't any space of four fingers worth. Except that there are angels everywhere bowing and prostrating in worship of Allah. There isn't any space and gaps. Angels everywhere. So the number of angels is vast. Greater than we can enumerate, greater than our technology enumerates here. Such is the numbers of the angels. What about the size of the angels that we have iman in? It's mentioned about the angels that carry the throne of Allah. And we know that the throne of Allah is the biggest thing in creation. This earth, how big it is. This universe, how big it is. Everything. The biggest thing in creation is the throne of Allah, which is the ceiling over all of this creation, all of this universe and universes, as they now say, and everything. All of this is... Under the throne of Allah, which is the ceiling of all of this creation. On the day of judgment, there will be angels carrying the throne of Allah. It's mentioned that the size of those angels who carry the throne of Allah, if a bird was to fly from the earlobe to the shoulder of one of those angels, it would take her long. Five hundred years. Some narrations even say seven hundred years. Hundreds of years. Whether it's five or seven. Hundreds of years. Imagine a bird flying hundreds of years to get from point A to point B. And that's just the gap between the ear to the shoulder. Forget about top to bottom. Just the gap from the ear to the shoulder, it would take a bird hundreds of years to fly it. That is the size of one of the angels that carries the throne of Allah. 
In other narrations, it mentions how those angels, they came to the Prophet Muhammad and they said, we can crush these mountains if you want. Crush these mountains upon those people. Crush the mountains, pick up Everest mountains, crush them down. The size of the angels. It's mentioned the angels are created in such a way that these fires we have, they can melt metal and steel and metal works, these hot boiling fires. That level of fire, it's mentioned in some narrations, wouldn't have any impact on an angel. Would have no impact on an angel, that level of fire. Such is the strength of their creation, how they've been made. So these are the details mentioned about the angels. Uh, we also know that the angels are not female. This is a very big misconception amongst people. They think that the angels are females. The angels are not females. And that's why it's wrong to call a woman an angel. People often say to somebody, a woman, if she does something good, you're an angel. Wrong. It is wrong to say that women, the angels are not women. The angels are not females. They said this question to Sheikh Bin Baz. They asked Sheikh Bin Baz this question. They said that the nurses, the nurses, sometimes people say to them, you're an angel. When the nurse does good and she helps the patient, everything, they say, what an angel you are. And it's wrong, because the angels are not females. Who were the ones who started saying the angels are females? The mushrikeen. The mushrikeen used to say the angels are the daughters of Allah. False. So we do not say that the angels are female. We do not say that. And that is why it is haram to name your daughters with the names of the angels. You can't use names of the angels to name a girl. The angels are not female. Even boys, many of the scholars say it's makruh. They say you should leave the names of the angels. Don't use Jibreel, Mikael, these names. Many scholars say it's makruh. Some scholars say it's okay. Some scholars say it's okay. But many scholars, they say it is makruh. To use the names of the angels for the boys. For the girls, haram. For the girls, haram to use the names of the angels. Because the angels are not female in the first place. So that is something to do with the Iman in the angels. Iman in the prophets. How many prophets and messengers were there? How many messengers were there? Messengers, messengers. 300 and odd. 310, 313, 300 and odd messengers. Prophets. 124,000. What is the difference? Or firstly, who were the best of the messengers then? The best of all of the messengers is? Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam from the five. And then who are the other four? Who is number two? The best of all of the messengers after Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is? Ibrahim alayhi salam. Ibrahim alayhi salam. Abraham. Ibrahim alayhi salam is the second best of all of the messengers. Third one? Musa alayhi salam. Moses. Third best messenger ever. Musa alayhi salam. Then number four and number five, it can be either way. Between two of them. Which two? Nuh alayhi salam. Noah and Isa alayhi salam. Jesus as they say. Those are number four and five. So the five best messengers, Muhammad sallallahu number one. Then Ibrahim alayhi salam, number two. Then Musa alayhi salam, number three. Then four and five, Isa alayhi salam and Nuh alayhi salam. 
They are the five best of the messengers. Then what is the difference between a messenger and a prophet? What is the difference between a messenger and a prophet? Anybody? Some come with the revelation and others do not come with the revelation. Some come with a new revelation and others come with what then? Old revelation? It's the same as before. The previous message. No, they come to correct that behavior. If that behavior has gone beyond what it was, they come to correct it and put them back into place. Mm-hmm. So that's some of the points. A messenger is somebody who is given a new revelation. This is one of the things some of the scholars have concluded. A messenger is somebody who is given a new revelation. Prophets are given the same revelation as the previous messenger. So if you imagine throughout history, every now and again, you have a messenger. Every now and again throughout history, a messenger came. In between that time, there were prophets coming. So you have a messenger, then prophets, then a messenger, then prophets, then a messenger, like that. So the first messenger comes with a new revelation. Then the prophets who come afterwards, they all keep getting the same revelation as that last messenger. Until a new messenger comes, then he gets a new revelation. Then the prophets who come after him all keep getting his revelation or again. Then a new messenger comes, new revelation. Then the prophets who come after that keep getting his revelation. So they keep getting the revelation of the previous messenger. That is one thing that they mention. So the prophets don't get a new revelation. They simply get the revelation of the previous messenger to reaffirm it and reestablish it. Another difference they mention is messengers were always sent to people who opposed them. Whereas prophets were sent to people who were more accepting. Like when Ibrahim was sent as a messenger, it is mentioned all of the people were kuffar. Everybody opposed Ibrahim But when prophets were sent, then it was a lot easier and there was less opposition. That is something the scholars they mentioned to Ibn Taymiyyah etc. So messengers were sent to very opposing people, fighting people. Whereas prophets were sent to slightly less opposing people, more accepting people. These are some of the differences between a messenger and a prophet. Of course, we as Muslims believe in all of the messengers and prophets. The first of the messengers was Nuh alayhi salam. And the last of them was Muhammad sallallahu alayhi salam. And the evidence is إِنَّا أَوْحَيْنَا إِلَيْكَ كَمَا أَوْحَيْنَا إِلَىٰ So indeed we have revealed to you just like we revealed to Nuh and the prophets who came after him. So all of the other prophets and messengers came after Nuh. So he was the first messenger. He was the first messenger, Nuh alayhi salam. And the last one, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and he said, La nabiyya ba'di, there will be no other prophet after me. 
So we have Iman in all of the prophets and messengers. You cannot disbelieve in any of them. All of them were upon Tawheed. All of them came with the same message. As Allah told us in the Quran, وَلَقَدْ بَعَثْنَا فِي كُلِّ أُمَّةٍ رَسُولًا أَنْ يَعْبُدُوا اللَّهَ وَاجْتَنِبُوا الطَّاغُوتِ That indeed we sent to every nation a messenger preaching worship Allah alone and abstain and refrain from the false deities. They all came with the message of Tawheed. They used to say, يَا قَوْمِ عِبَدُوا اللَّهِ مَا لَكُمْ مِنْ إِلَهٍ غَيْرُهُ O people, worship your Lord. You do not have any other deity to worship besides Him. All of the prophets, every one of them, they came with the message of Tawheed. Also, we have Iman in the books. We mentioned this, the books. How many books do we know of? We know of five books. Which five are they? The Torah, the Injil, Zabur, Suhaf Ibrahim, Quran. So, the Torah, which was given to Musa alayhi salam. The Zabur, Dawud alayhi salam. Injil, Isa alayhi salam. Quran, Hamza salam. That's four we definitely know about. And then it says also, Suhaf, Suhaf. Musa, uh, Ibrahim and Musa. The suhaf of Ibrahim and Musa, the parchments and the scrolls that were given to Ibrahim and Musa. They are therefore five and six. Parchments to Ibrahim and parchments to Musa. Six books that we know of. Unless the parchments that were given to Musa are actually the Torah, in that case there would be five that we know of. In that case there would be five books that we know of. And if the parchments that were given to Musa salam are something additional as well as the Torah, then there are six books that we know of. How many books were there sent altogether? Some scholars, they say, every single prophet was given a book. Some scholars, they say, every single prophet was given a book. Of course, we do not know the names of all of that. We know the names of these five or six. But they say every prophet was given a book. All of these books are revelation from Allah. All of them are speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Of course, the previous revelations, they were left to the people to guard over and the people did not guard over them and they became distorted and altered. Whereas the Qur'an, Allah preserves it. And the Qur'an will not change and it will remain as it is until the day of judgment or just before the day of judgment until it is removed from this earth. From Allah the Qur'an began, Allah spoke the Qur'an and to Him it will return. Prior to the day of judgment when nobody gives the value, the Qur'an will be removed from the people, from the books, from the musahif, from their chests. The Qur'an will be raised up and removed from this earth. So all of these books are the speech of Allah, but the previous ones have been distorted, so we cannot rely upon them anymore. We only rely upon the final revelation, the Qur'an. Then the Day of Judgment. Belief in the Day of Judgment, it begins from the moment of death up until entering paradise or hell. From the moment death occurs to an individual, his judgment begins. His Day of Judgment begins. The angels will come to that person, the soul exits his body, the trial of the grave occurs, the punishment, the blessings of the grave occur. 
the uh, the uh, signs of the day of judgment then occur the blowing of the trumpet occurs the resurrection occurs the accountability the weighing scales the pond of the prophet sallallahu the shafa'a the intercession of the prophet sallallahu to remove people from the hellfire all of those various incidents that occur on the day of judgment we have absolute iman in every one of them the signs of the day of judgment the dajjal coming Isa salam returning back to this earth. We believe in all of that with absolute certainty. And then the decree we spoke about already before. All of these topics we have absolute iman in all of them. That is the iman that the author is referring to here. That we have iman in these various aspects. He mentions, وَمِن ذَلِكَ أَشْرَاطُ مِثْلُ and he mentions all of those various aspects of the Iman in the Day of Judgment. And he talks about the weighing scale on that day, the balance. On that day your deeds will be weighed in the weighing scale. Your good deeds on one side, your bad deeds on the other side. And then that weighing up occurs. And if your good is better and heavier than your bad, then you are successful. The proof. But the first one, the one who is heavier, is successful. The one whose weighing scales are heavy, he is the one who will be in the good bliss. And the ones whose weighing scales are light, he is the one who will be in the fire. Where his weighing scales are very light, he has hardly any good deeds. His bad deeds are heavy, but his good deeds are light. He will be the unsuccessful, but the successful ones where their deeds are heavy and their bad deeds are light. So he mentions that. He also mentions about the pond of the Prophet ﷺ. The pond which uh, it is mentioned, the source of it comes from where? The source of the pond is Al-Kawthar. The source of the pond is that it comes from Al-Kawthar. The source of it is Al-Kawthar. And it is mentioned that the water of the pond is whiter than milk, sweeter than honey, colder than ice, smells more beautiful than fragrance, and the number of cups around it are greater than the number of stars in the skies. And whoever drinks from it will never be thirsty again. All of these descriptions are mentioned about the Hawd. And there are certain people who will not be allowed to drink from the Hawd. They are the innovators. And they are the apostates. These types of individuals and the sinners who are excessive, the fusaq. They will not be allowed to drink from the pond of the Prophet ﷺ. And then also it's mentioned about the intercession. That the Prophet ﷺ will do the intercession to remove people who fell into the hellfire, uh, and they are the Usat al-Muwahideen. The Usat al-Muwahideen, the sinners of the people of Tawheed. Maybe a person is a person of Tawheed, but he sins. And as a consequence of his sinning, he may end up in the hellfire first, to be cleansed from those sins. But in the end then, he will be entered into paradise. All of these points, 
the Shaykh actually mentions them in detail one by one. All of these points are actually mentioned in the explanation one by one. So inshallah ta'ala, what we can do then from next week is mention them sectioned off with all of their points. So even just the wing, the uh, signs of the hour, you can talk about a lot of the issues on the signs of the hour. About the death and the angels coming to you. There's a lot of issues about how that happens. The angels, they come to you. How does your soul get out of your body? All of those topics. In the grave, what happens to you? How does the questioning of the grave happen? How do the angels come? What do the angels, Munkar and Nakir, look like? All of that is mentioned in the narrations. The punishment of the grave, how does it happen? On your body or on your soul? Or both? The blessings of the grave, how the door is opened up into paradise. All of these things about the grave. Then the resurrection, the blowing of the trumpet. How many times will the trumpet be blown? Who will blow the trumpet? Those details are mentioned in the narrations too. The resurrection, how will the people be resurrected? Or what will they be like and what will they look like and what will happen? Where will they be resurrected? Where will the resurrection happen? On this earth or somewhere else? So there's a lot of details you can talk about on that issue. The Sheikh actually mentions quite a lot of those details. So inshallah ta'ala then we'll go through the details. We've now mentioned a brief outline of the Iman in the six pillars. And then we'll go through the explanation going through the details of all of those topics. So you have a much more clearer in-depth understanding of those issues of the day of judgment and the death and the weighing scale, and all of those things that happen. You have a good detailed understanding of it all. So inshallah we'll begin with that next week. Uh, if there's any questions up to there so far. Rahim? There are certain names from the names of Allah which are permissible to have if you, if you, without, without the ta'rif uh, on them. So for example, Hakim. You could do it without the ta'rif, without Al-Hakim. You can't do Al-Hakim like that, but Hakim. Rahim, I don't know. I don't know if that is one of the ones which is allowed or not. It appears it is not, but we can check to make sure about it. I don't remember. About Rahim. And the signs of the hour, are they all considered as bad? No. And for example, like having tall buildings? No. Signs of the hour, just because something is a sign of the hour, does not mean that it is by default bad. One of the signs of the hour is people will compete in building tall buildings. Is it haram or makruh to build tall buildings? No. It's permissible. You want to build a tall building, you can't. Nothing wrong with it. It's just a sign of the hour, though. There's nothing wrong with it. Building a tall building, it's okay. In some cities of the world, they have no choice. The space on the floor, there's nothing there. You have to build up. There's no problem in it, but it's just a sign of the hour when it happens. So signs of the hour are not necessarily bad. There are signs of the hour like the death of the Prophet ﷺ and the sending of the Prophet ﷺ. Are they bad? Of course not. 
So signs of the hour are not equals bad. It doesn't it doesn't work like that. You know, like you said about um, some scholars say that each prophet was uh, given a book. Mm. Uh, do you know where the evidence is for that is? There's ayat in the Quran. Ayat in the Quran where they talk about all of the prophets being given uh, books or hikmah, various tafasir of these ayat, talking about prophets being given books or hikmah, it is interpreted as the revelations. Every prophet was given that book as a revelation. So in the tafsir of the ayat, they interpret that from. So we'll leave it there. Carry on next week, inshallah, 7 p.m. same time. وصلى الله على نبينا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين